Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. Welcome to another I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. I am Kim Clark, Nebraska Extension Dairy Educator, and I am joined today by Tracy Erickson and Bob Milligan. Welcome, Tracy and Bob. Pleasure to be here. Definitely a pleasure to be here, Kim. Yes, and Tracy, you are an, an I-29 Moo University member. I'll let you give a little background on yourself, your position, and then Bob, if you could also provide us some background on yourself, that would be great. Sure, I'll jump in here, Kim. Like you said, a uh, collaborating member with the I-29 Moo University Consortium since the beginning now, over 15 years that we've been working together as a team. And um, my area of expertise I'm the Extension Dairy Field Specialist here at South Dakota State University and focus on employee management, human resources, but also on a lot of areas in dairy production, including nutrition, animal handling, and care, and just overall well-being of the industry and collaborating with our other dairy partners too. Okay, thank you, Kim, for uh, inviting me. This is Dr. Bob Milligan. I currently live in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul, I actually hold two titles. I'm a senior consultant with Dairy Strategies LLC, which is a dairy management consulting firm of broad areas of dairy management. Um, I'm the people person. I also hold the title of Professor Emeritus from Cornell University, where I was on the faculty for 28 years, um, particularly in the latter part of my career, worked primarily on people issues, including a very large undergraduate course. I now am technically semi-retired, Um, I don't have any idea what that means, but I know I get paid half time. And so I have probably 12 or 15 clients pretty much all over the country. We work very much virtually even before COVID. And they're all the way from dairy farms to ranches to cash crop farms to hog farms. Well, it's interesting if our listeners picked up both of you in your introductions had mentioned on employee management training etc. And that's exactly what we're going to focus on today for our podcast. I don't think anyone sets out in the dairy industry to manage people, but with our dairy industry today, that's exactly what we're doing is we're managing people and we're managing and training people, our employees, to care for our animals. Often going to dairies, working on a leadership degree myself, one of the greatest challenges that I observe is we don't create a team atmosphere on the dairy. And from my observations, because we don't create that team atmosphere, we have a lot of employee turnover. And I guess I'd like both of your input on why do we need to create this team atmosphere on a dairy and how does that help improve animal care and reduce employee turnover? My observation is the same as yours. And the reality is that there are very few companies in any industry that really have mastered the team environment. Uh, Those that have are mostly succeeding wildly. Uh, Google might be the biggest example of that. And the literature on team development today is dominated by one term. And it's called psychological safety. Now, that's kind of an academic term, and you can give lots of definitions of it. But I think the best one, the simplest one is absence of fear. 
absence of fear that you will be reprimanded for an idea, for something you say, that you will fear that you will be put down because of who you are or what you say. And so psychological safety really means that that team, that environment, whether it's a team or the whole group, has that absence of fear. And actually, there are four components of it. And it's basically uh, freedom, first of all. But there's actually a fabulous book. Maybe you can give people video links, but there's a fabulous video link that talks about this. And there really are four areas and they're kind of an increasing degree of difficulty in a sense, okay, that, that each one is more difficult. And the first one is basically you're free to express yourself. You're free to talk. You're free to uh, be able to, to say what you want to say without fear of any recrimination. People will collaborate with those ideas. So that's called inclusion safety. The second part is learner safety. You have the freedom to learn. And the most important thing that that component has is fear of failure. We have to look at failure as an opportunity to learn. Obviously, if it's intentional failure, that's a different story. But one of the really important things in understanding fear of failure is that all kinds of outcomes occur when you make a decision. Okay, you make a decision to try a, a new antibiotic, or you make a decision to uh, change the the milking routine, or you make a decision to plant a week early. In all of those cases, there are a number of outcomes. Some of those outcomes aren't going to be good. And so if you're punished for that outcome that isn't good, even though a great decision was made, that's going to resonate with people for a long time and sometimes even cause them to leave. And so that second component of ability to try things, doesn't mean you don't study it, doesn't mean you don't prepare for it, but you're willing to try new things, to bring up ideas. And so that third one is basically where I just led into, and that's contributor safety. I can contribute in the group. I can give my ideas. I can piggyback on other people's ideas, and I don't have a fear that I will be put down for it. People can analyze it. That's part of collaboration, uh, but I'm not going to be put down as a person. And the final one, and, and this one is very difficult to get to, but really creates a team environment. That's challenger safety. I can challenge things that are going on and I won't be put down for it. It doesn't mean that my idea will be implemented, but I can challenge and say, not only to my colleagues, but to the owner, lack of fear that I can come up with a challenge for what they're doing and we'll talk about it, not I'll be shut up. So, Bob, I'm going to jump in and ask you a question here, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're stating there. And in going back to psychological safety, does that, in your opinion, start then with, you know, what Kim was first talking about? We see these farms, these operations, you know, they're in the business more of producing milk and meat and food and fiber for the world, but that's what they got into agriculture for typically. And we know that and not necessarily to manage people. And that's where the skill set is lacking. And so the ones that are really succeeding and doing well at this have taken a look at their culture, their mindset, and understand their values as leaders in the organization. And then are creating that environment, that culture, like you're talking about, that gives that psychological safety for the employees to succeed. In my opinion, um, with that, you know, it starts with 
a willingness to identify the issue and then go forth and change, like you said, and be willing to do some of those things and be open and positive in your leadership role going forward. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you're absolutely right. And I chuckled a little bit when you commented about farmers don't get into it to be in the people business. Sometimes when I'm speaking, I will ask a group and it could be a hundred people. You know, how many of you got into this in order to manage people? And I, other than somebody that wanted to give me a hard time, I've never had anyone raise their hand. You're absolutely right. But one of the things that is really important and is talked about in all kinds of businesses is we need to recognize today to be competitive that businesses have to have two things. One, they have to be smart. And that's everything that we've taught. It's the herd health and the repro and the business management and all of that, and the marketing, but they also have to be healthy. That comes down to the culture. And just like who determines who sets the stage for the smart, it's the owner. The owner also has to set the stage for the healthy part of which psychological safety is a potential component that will give you a huge advantage, as you say, both in the retention and recruitment market and in the productivity, because people who are engaged, because psychological safety leads to engagement. It leads to loving what you're doing. As Stephen Covey says, it's important to own the business, not necessarily with your wallet. Employees don't do that, but we want employees to own it in their heart and their mind and psychological safety, the culture of the business the healthy part of the business is the key to that. I was going to say, Kim, you know, and I, he's exactly right. And I was thinking about an example that I've utilized in the past in that regard, and that's Walt Disney. Their organization is, you know, they start with determining and helping their employees understand the purpose and getting their employees to believe in the purpose of the organization. And that is that the purpose tells the people, you know, why the company exists in the first place, you know, and then they start thinking about the mission and the vision when it gets everybody to um, tie into that. And so when you think about a purpose, for example, purpose lasts, should it last for at least 100 years, they say, whereas, you know, the vision tells you where you're headed and a mission explains what you want to do now. But in that, when you think about Walt Disney and the Disney organization as a whole, they have got every employee in their operation from the street sweepers up to the people singing and dancing and food servers, whatever it may be, believing in that mission and that purpose, I should say, you know, and that purpose, when you think about it was, you know, to inspire dreams for others or to make dreams happen. And so they've gotten very good at that and they've created that culture culture and that team. And that's one example, I guess I could provide for people is to start with that. But it also starts with those values of you as an owner, you need to first understand who you are, and what people you work best with in creating the teams and then going forward with that. I like to think of when I tell people going back to one presenter I heard a couple of years ago, Kenai Thomas, he uh, was a staff sergeant in the Army 3rd Ranger Battalion, got famous for his role in an incident in Somalia, and they created the movie Black Hawk Down for it. But he talks about the Ranger model, and it's lead the way, lead by example. He talks about that you're no better than the weakest person on your team. And you need to build that weakest team member up to the level that you want to be that. You need to be someone who's willing to be the somebody and take action. And that weakest link also needs to believe in themselves. Uh, leadership, he also says, is a choice. 
you know, and ask yourself how you're enabling that leadership, you know, and it's just like what Bob was talking about, psychological safety, people need to feel free to speak up and be engaged in those teams and to be effective. And then the big one was the five W's. So you need to tell people the what, the who, the why, the where, and the how when you're communicating with them and as a team or on a one-on-one basis, no matter what it may be. You know, I completely agree with everything, Tracy. And both of you have mentioned the term culture before and painted a great picture of what the culture of the dairy looks like, sharing the values, the mission, the vision of the dairy. Where does the dairy want to go? What does that look like? Talking about the what we do on the dairy, why we do, why we perform our tasks and and operating procedures a certain way. I think there's definitely another level of culture that is often overlooked or not understood. And to lead into that, I'll ask the both of you, what culture or who are our dairy employees today? So if we think about the makeup of our dairy farm employees, many of them are immigrants coming from another country looking for work. Many of them, English is the second language. Primarily Spanish is the dominant employee language on the dairy industry. When we think about culture, we have the culture of the dairy industry, but then we also have the culture of our employees. And I think as owners and managers, if we get to know and understand the culture of our employees, I think that also leads to really building a team atmosphere. So culture, you know, where are they from? What are some of the foods they eat? What are some of the practices they have? Getting to know that person and who their culture is, I think is another great way to really build that team atmosphere. Rather than telling employees, here's who we are as a dairy, I need you to fit into this mold, which we definitely do. You know, we're showing the values, the vision, the mission of the dairy industry. But we're not getting to know the employees themselves and building them into become part of the dairy culture. You're absolutely right. And that's basically what was the first step in the psychological safety. It was inclusion. If you aren't willing as an owner to seek to understand where probably the major part of your workforce comes from and who they are and what's important to them and how to best meld them into this business, there's certainly no way that they are going to have that psychological safety of feeling included. So I think that's absolutely critical. I know I'm a bit of an outlier, but I really think it's almost impossible from a leadership standpoint to build that culture if you hire people you can't communicate with. I think it's the owner's responsibility to have some kind of a system where they can communicate with their employees, whether that's learning Spanish or whether it's hiring only English-speaking people. But whatever it is, it's going to be very hard to reach psychological safety if you aren't able to communicate on a day-to-day basis. Agree 100% with you, Bob. The other thing I would point to also is that culture in your scenario and on all the dairies is you're talking about two types of culture there, Kim. And just to keep that in mind, and Bob kind of mentioned this as far as the psychological safety and feeling, you know, have that sense of inclusion in the dairy. And there's the culture of understanding our ethnicity, and then there's the culture of the dairy itself and the working environment that has been created within that dairy. 
And so they cross over and interject a lot of times. And if you're not willing to be open and respect both parties, that sometimes can become difficult. And so respect is a large part of making dairies and employees feel included and have, you know, what Bob was talking about, the psychological safety there and the inclusion and the ability to perform and feel comfortable and be able to come up to the owner and say, hey, you know what? We've got some sick calves out here and I don't understand what's going on instead of just sweeping it under the table. And the second part that he was talking about there wholeheartedly is they need to be able to have adequate communication and skills to be able to get that message to the top level. And so employees definitely need to either the owner needs to be able to speak the language of the employees or vice versa, because sometimes things do get lost in translation, but they need to have some form of communication at an acceptable level between employer and employees language is definitely a biggie. As we continue here to uh, talk about team, there's, there's a word that we also need to address, and that's collaboration. Because the best example, of course, of where there's no collaboration right now is in Washington, D.C. But even in that situation, they talk about we need to compromise. Well, compromise mm-hmm. means we kind of both get half the pie. When you're working with a team, your goal is collaboration. Your goal is to talk, to bring out ideas, to get the interests of everyone, and then find out what are your common interests. So the reality is that compromise, I said, we're splitting the pie. With collaboration, we're expanding the pie. We're focusing primarily on the interests, the interests of the business, the interests of the people. What do we have in common? What solutions can get us there? And then how do we make accommodations to where we don't have common interests? But psychological safety enables collaboration. There's an interesting piece of research, and that is that bad teams, poor teams argue a lot. And so from that, historically, people said, well, then good teams must not argue. That's what makes a good team. Well, the research shows that's totally wrong. Good teams argue a lot, but they argue about ideas. They may get excited, but they don't put other people down. And so that's where you really want to get is where you're collaborating. You you know the vision, you understand the people, you know where you want to get and you're working together to get there and bringing all of the knowledge. One of my my favorite quotes is if two people on a team always agree, one of them is not needed. And you could even expand that to the point bringing into psychological safety. If a team member doesn't contribute, they aren't needed, at least in the collaboration. Maybe there's some information passing. But too many of our meetings don't get beyond just passing information. They don't get into collaborating on ideas and generating outcomes. I think that's exactly right. We're great as an industry of meeting with other managers and owners. Part of the collaboration that we're missing is the employee collaboration Bringing them into trainings, bringing them into meetings and get them involved, definitely. I'm going to switch gears here for a second. And we really covered building the team atmosphere and why that's important. How does the team atmosphere apply to cow care, comfort, production on the dairy? You know, and it starts in the beginning. I'm going to use a specific example with teams. If you start on your dairy operation and you have 
part of your team, the calf care team, for example, and they're not doing an adequate job of being trained up front and getting colostrum into that calf. Well, there's a whole big circle that works around that as far as the team. And you think about all the players that are necessary to get that colostrum into that baby calf so it can be healthy for the rest of its life and perform at its top level. And it starts clear back with the dry cow, you know, the feeder, if they're maybe not doing an adequate job of getting the necessary feedstuffs, if maybe the nutrition isn't balancing the ration maybe correctly, back to that level, then you take it to when the calf is born and maybe if there was difficulty in the birth and the employee wasn't sure how to handle the situation, or maybe they did handle it well, but once that calf was born, did it get the proper care when it was born? Was the navel dip? Did it get the proper amount of colostrum? Was it good colostrum? Did they test the colostrum? And you think about all the little cogs in the wheel, just in that one little process of making sure that that calf is getting good colostrum and having the best care possible when it's born. There's a lot of people pieces in that puzzle where things can go awry. And so if people are not working together, collaborating, showing respect, understanding a situation and recognizing and having back to what Bob had talked about, earlier, the ability to step up and say, you know what, we've got a problem going on here. I'm noticing that the colostrum isn't at an adequate level lately. We've got cows coming in and, you know, the antibody level is maybe low. And with the owner then knowing that information, they can go back and address the problem. So that's this very specific example, Kim, to a situation, but it impacts the dairy long-term. And so we need to think about that and how good, effective teams versus poor teams can make or break you in a dairy operation. Tracy, that's a wonderful example, but let's go a little different route. Think about a football team. Think about a winning football team. One, there are two pieces to this. One is they understand all the plays. They know exactly what's supposed to be done. They had opportunity to get coaching from the coaches. They're committed to this play, whether it's a run or a pass. That's only part of the issue. The second part of the issue is what happens now if the other team comes up with the defense that has exactly the right defense for that play? They call an audible. And so people who are not engaged can't call audibles. They can't say, okay, there's a problem here. What are we going to do now? It takes people who are engaged with the team to say, there's something wrong with that colostrum. This isn't quite right. Well, if you don't feel like a part of the team and committed to not only the teammate, but the animals, you're just going to go ahead and feed the poor colostrum. But you feel something is wrong, so you call an audible. Yep. You know we need to think about outside the box too of who that team is. So as I think of the lactating cows, it's not the parlor milking team versus the team in the barn, cleaning the barn and managing the feeding. Those two even need to communicate together and collaborate together because there might be a hiccup in one of those areas that impacts the other area. And so just creating that, we mentioned communication. So culture, communication, collaboration, all part of this psychological safety. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, and that's why you think about that example, Kim, I still go back to that Walt Disney example is that, you know, it's the big picture. Everybody is working towards the same goal, the same purpose. And through all those pieces, that's what makes it happen. Yep, exactly. Any other thoughts on creating a team atmosphere on the dairy and how that leads to reduce employee turnover and better animal care? 
I think there are two or three things. One, I think we've said it indirectly a number of times, but I think we have to say it explicitly. This all starts with the leader. Certainly everyone can have some input. There's a lot of discussion about leader versus team roles, but other people can have that. The other thing, we mentioned retention. And if you feel a part of the business, that's going to create retention. I think the other thing that's important in retention, and I think it can come with a team, is we need to think of positions and we need to look at people and putting them in a position where they can be there as a career, not just a few days and then leave or months or whatever the case may be. And I think psychologically, safety and team orientation can really contribute to that. They want to be part of something. I agree with Bob on that. And the things that come to mind at the top for me are, and and I've always tried to keep this in mind, is that lead by example. And owners, when you do that, whether it be willing to get out there and scoop and shovel, you know, manure or feed right with the rest of them and show people how to do things and get in there and get dirty gains you a lot of respect, but it also puts you at a level of understanding with your employees as they look at you and value that you know exactly what it is that they're doing with. You've created that culture in the environment and then be willing to listen and communicate. And then also make sure that you explain to your employees, the big one is why we're doing things the way we're doing it. And if they don't understand it, keep asking and communicating and hopefully you will get to the level of understanding of why it is we do the things that we do. Ah, great summary, Tracy. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on another I-29 Moo University Dairy podcast. We can add that video link in the show notes. And so if anyone is interested in the video link that Dr. Milligan mentioned, be sure to check out the show notes. We want to take this opportunity to thank our major sponsors, DTE Biomass Energy. DTE Biomass Energy partners with dairy farmers across the country to produce marketable renewable energy by extracting and utilizing digester gas. For more information, you can visit their website, newlook.dteenergy.com. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.